The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Megagoria. In the church-approved apparitions of Our Lady of Good Success in the early 1600s, Our Lady said, As for the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with His Church, it will be attacked and deeply profaned. Freemasonry, which will then be in power, will enact iniquitous laws with the aim of doing away with this sacrament making it easy for everyone to live in sin and encouraging the procreation of illegitimate children born without the blessing of the church. The Catholic spirit will rapidly decay. The precious light of faith will gradually be extinguished until there will be an almost total and general corruption of customs. Added to this will be the effects of secular education, 
which will be one reason for the death of priestly and religious vocations. The sacrament of holy orders will be ridiculed, oppressed, and despised. For in this sacrament, the Church of God and even God Himself is scorned and despised since He is represented in His priests. The devil will try to persecute the ministers of the Lord in every possible way. He will labor with cruel and subtle astuteness to deviate them from the spirit of their vocation and will corrupt many of them. These depraved priests who will scandalize the Christian people will make the hatred of bad Catholics and the enemies of the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church fall upon all priests. This apparent triumph of Satan will bring enormous suffering to the good pastors of the Church, the many good priests. Further, in these unhappy times, there will be unbridled luxury which will ensnare the rest into sin and conquer innumerable frivolous souls who will be lost. Innocence will almost no longer be found in children, nor modesty in women. In this supreme moment of need in the church, the ones who should speak will fall silent. Typically, homogenomics is a little bit different from a word report. This is going to be a broadcast, both. We're going to cover several phases of history that all points to what's happening in real time right now. We're in a position of liquidation of the economic man. We are at a point, as human beings, has developed to be more animal. The arrogance against God, that we can change genders, mutilate kids, mutilate adults. We're not going to escape this. What you just heard about Our Lady of Hope was 600 years ago, in the 1400s. It's approved by the church. And they said to the nun that the church would be suffering a silence in the future. We're experiencing that now. And they said, May 2nd, 2016, observe well the signs of the times. And she adds to this, be apostles of the revelations. Do you think Ali is just going to say the word revelation and apostles? She's talking, we're in a biblical moment in real time. 
you're about to hear words before our lady come to Medjugorje, probably back into 1950, 31 years before our lady began speaking in Medjugorje. The words you're about to hear stated in 1950, now manifested. You're going to hear astonishing prophecy how everything's been laid out by Our Lady centuries ago to what happens now. And Sheen, with his words, will prove it. He's dead on what's happening right now that was not happening in 1950. Why is it that so few realize the seriousness of our present crisis? Partly because men do not want to believe their own times are wicked. Partly because it involves too much self-accusation. And principally because they have no standards outside of themselves to measure their times. Only those who live by faith really know what is happening in the world. And well may our Savior say to us, what he said to the Sadducees and Pharisees in his time when they asked for a sign. When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm, for the sky is red and lowering. You know then how to discern the face of the sky. Can you not know the signs of the times? Do we know the signs of our times? They point to two inescapable truths. The first of which is that we have come to the end of the post-Renaissance chapter of history, which made man the measure of all things. The three basic dogmas of the modern world are dissolving before our very eyes. First, we are witnessing the liquidation of the economic man, or the assumption that man, who is a highly developed animal, has no other function in life than to produce and acquire wealth, and then, like the cattle in the pastures, be filled with years and die. Secondly, we are witnessing the liquidation of the idea of the natural goodness of man. There was no need of a god to give him rights, or a redeemer to salvage him from guilt, because progress is automatic thanks to science, education, and evolution, which will one day make man a kind of god. We are witnessing also the liquidation of rationalism, or the idea that the purpose of human reason is not to discover the meaning and the goal of life, namely the salvation of a soul, but to devise new technical advances to make on this earth a city of man to replace the city of God. It may very well be that the historical liberalism of our modern generations is only a transitional era in history between a civilization which once was Christian and one which will be definitely anti-Christian. And the second great truth to which the signs of the times portend is that we are definitely at the end of a non-religious era of civilization. By that I mean one which regarded religion as an addendum to life, a pious extra, 
a morale builder for the individual but of no social relevance, and God is a silent partner whose name was used by the firm to give respectability, but who had nothing to say about how the business should be run. And the new era into which we are entering is what might be called the religious phase of human history. Do not misunderstand me. By religious, we do not mean that men will turn to God, but rather that the indifference to the absolute which characterized the liberal phase of civilization will be succeeded by a passion for the absolute. From now on, the struggle will not be for colonies and national rights, but for the souls of men. The battle lines are being clearly drawn. The basic issues are no longer in doubt. From now on, men will divide themselves into two religions, understood again as surrender to an absolute. The conflict of the future is between an absolute who is the God-man and an absolute which is the man-God. Between the God who became man and the man who makes himself God. Between brothers in Christ and comrades in Antichrist. But the Antichrist will not be so called. Otherwise he would have no followers. He will wear no red tights, nor vomit sulfur, nor carry a spear, nor wave an arrowed tail as Mephistopheles in Faust. Nowhere in sacred scripture do we find warrant for the popular myth that the devil is a buffoon who was dressed like the first red Rather, as he described as a fallen angel, as a prince of this world, whose business it is to tell us that there is no other world, his logic is simple. If there is no heaven, there is no hell. If there is no hell, there is no sin. If there is no sin, there is no judge. And if there is no judgment, then evil is good, and good is evil. But above all these descriptions, our Lord tells us that he will be so much like himself that he will deceive even the elect. And certainly no devil that we have ever seen in picture books could deceive the elect. How will he come in this new age to win followers to his religion? He will come disguised as the great humanitarian. He will talk peace, prosperity, and plenty, not as means to lead us to God, but as ends in themselves. He will write books on the new idea of God to suit the way people live, induce faith in astrology, so as to make not the will but the stars responsible for our sins. He will explain guilt away psychologically as repressed sex, Make men shrink in shame if their fellow men say they are not broad-minded and liberal. He will identify tolerance with indifference to right and wrong. He will foster more divorces under the disguise that another partner is vital. He will increase love for love and decrease love for persons. He will invoke religion to destroy religion. He will even speak of Christ and say that he was the greatest man who ever lived. His mission, he will say, will be to liberate men from the servitudes of superstition and fascism, which he will never define.
But in the midst of all his seeming love for humanity, his glib talk of freedom and equality, he will have one great secret, which he will tell no one. He will not believe in God. And because his religion will be brotherhood without the fatherhood of God, he will deceive even the elect. He will set up a counter-church, which will be the ape of the church, because he, the devil, is the ape of God. It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist that will in all externals resemble the church as the mystical body of Christ. In desperate need for God, he will induce modern man in his loneliness and frustration to hunger more and more for membership in his community that will give man enlargement of purpose without any need of personal amendment and without the admission of personal guilt. These are days in which the devil has been given a particularly long rope. When the shepherd may be struck and the sheep dispersed. Has the church made preparations for just such a dark night in the decree of the Holy Father outlining the conditions on which a papal election may now be held outside? of the city of Rome. Men who know history have seen these dark days coming. As far back as 1842, 105 years ago, Heine the German poet wrote, Communism, though little discussed now, and loitering in hidden garrets on miserable straw pallets, is the dark hero destined for a great, if temporary, role in the modern tragedy. Wild, gloomy times are roaring toward us, and a prophet wishing to write a new apocalypse would have to invent entirely new beasts, beasts so terrible that St. John's older animals would be like gentle doves and cupids in comparison. The gods are veiling their faces in pity on the children of men, their long-time charges. The future smells of Russian leather, blood, godlessness, and many whippings. And I should advise our grandchildren to be born with very thick skins on their backs. At an 1842, well indeed may we be warned. For the first time in history, our age has witnessed the persecution of the Old Testament by the Nazis and the persecution of the New Testament by the Communists. Anyone who has anything to do with God is hated today. Whether his vocation was to announce his divine son Jesus Christ as the Jew, or to follow him as the Christian. Because the signs of our times point to a struggle between absolutes, we may expect the future to be a time of trial. For two reasons. Firstly, to stop disintegration. Godlessness would go on and on and on if there were no catastrophes. What death is to an individual, that catastrophe is to an evil civilization. 
the interruption of life, and for the civilization, the interruption of its godlessness. Why did God station an angel with the flaming sword of the garden of paradise after the fall? If it was not to prevent our first parents from entering again and eating of the tree of life, which if they ate, would have immortalized their guilt. And God will not allow unrighteousness to become eternal. He permits revolution, disintegration, and chaos to come as reminders that our thinking has been wrong. Our dreams have been unholy. Moral truth is vindicated by the ruin that follows when it has been repudiated. The chaos of our times is the strongest negative argument that could ever be advanced for Christianity. Catastrophe reveals that evil is self-defeating and that we cannot turn from God as we have without hurting ourselves. And the second reason why a crisis must come is in order to prevent a false identification of the church and the world. Our Lord intended that those who were his followers would be different in spirit from those who were not. But this line of demarcation has been blotted out. Instead of black and white, there's only a blur. Mediocrity and compromise characterize the lives of many Christians. They read the same novels as modern pagans, educate their children in the same godless way, listen to the same commentators who have no other standard than judging today by yesterday and tomorrow by today, allow pagan practices to creep into family life such as divorce and remarriage. There are not wanting so-called Catholic labor leaders recommending communists for Congress or Catholic writers who accept presidencies in communist front organizations to instill totalitarian ideas into movies. There's no longer the conflict and the opposition which ought to characterize us. We are influencing the world less than the world influences us. There is no apartness. We who were sent out to establish a center of health have caught the disease and therefore have lost the power to heal. And since the gold is mixed with an alloy, the entirety must be thrust into the furnace that the dross may be burned away. And the value of the trial will be to set us apart. Evil catastrophe must come to reject us, to despise us, to hate us, to persecute us, and then, then we shall define our loyalties, affirm our fidelities, and state on whose side we stand. Our quantity indeed will decrease, but our quality will increase. It is not for the church that we fear, but for the world. We tremble not that God may be dethroned, but that barbarism may reign. Three practical suggestions then for the times, as Christians realize that a moment of crisis is not a time of despair, but of opportunity. We were born in crises, in defeat, the crucifixion. And once we recognize that we are under divine wrath, we become eligible for divine mercy. The very disciplines of God create hope. 
the thief on the right came to God by a crucifixion. And secondly, Catholics ought to stir up their faith, hang a crucifix in their home, remind them that they have a cross to carry. Gather your family together every night to recite the rosary. Go to daily mass. Make the holy hour daily in the presence of our Eucharistic Lord, and particularly in parishes where pastors are conscious of the world's need and therefore conduct service as a reparation. And finally, Jews, Protestants, Catholics, Americans, all of us, must realize that the world is summoning us to heroic efforts at spiritualization. It is not a unity of religion we plead, for that is impossible when purchased at the cost of the unity of truth, but a unity of religious people, wherein each marches separately according to the light of his conscience, but strikes together for the moral betterment of the world. The forces of evil are united. The forces of good are divided. We may not be able to meet in the same pew. Would to God that we did, but we can meet on our knees. And you may be very sure that no sordid compromises nor carrying of waters on both shoulders will see you through. And those who have the faith had better keep in the state of grace. And those who have neither had better begin to find out what they mean. For in the coming age, there will be only one way to stop your trembling knees, and that will be to get down on them and pray. Pray to Michael. Michael, the prince of the morning who conquered Lucifer, would make himself a god. When the world once cracked because of a sneer in heaven, he rose up and dragged down from the seven heavens the pride that would look down on the Most High. And pray too. Pray to Our Lady and say to her it was to thee was given the power to crush the head of the serpent who lied to men that they would be like unto gods. And mayest thou, who didst find Christ when he was lost for three days, find him again for our world that has lost him. And as thou didst form the word in thy womb, form him in our own hearts, Lady of the blue of heaven, in these dark days light our arms. Give back to us the light of the world, that a light may shine even in these days of darkness. Bishop Sheen say all these things in 1950. The 50s, for many people, was beautiful. He didn't have any evidence at that time to be so accurate of the, the time of the Antichrist. Sheen said he's not going to take the name Antichrist. That's the one thing he won't say. He's not going to say that I don't believe in God. He's going to make you believe in God to draw you to him. You heard also, Sheen talked about the cross. The visionaries went to the rectory for the apparitions where there was a cross that they looked at hundreds of times 
having their apparition praying before that cross. Our Lady had a plan for that cross. It was taken down. That cross is tied to what Sheen said about marriage and family. The crucifix, the cross, has to be in the family. Our Lady arranged that cross to be in the bedroom, representation of family. When Maria came into our house, the day before she got there, the cross was hung up that hung in the rectory with those hundreds of apparitions. And when she walked in our bedroom, Maria immediately said, this is where the apparitions will happen. Seven years after Sheen, a bishop, his name is Bishop Carrier, he received a letter from Sister Lucy, one of the visionaries out of the three of Fatima. And Lucy says to the bishop, the Virgin Mary told her Satan is preparing the decisive battle between him, Satan, and the Virgin Mary. So Sheen is 100% accurate. So with the bishop receiving the letter seven years after what Bishop Sheen said in 1957, revealing this battle, and 24 years later, in 1981, Our Lady comes on the scene. There's a history of this from Sheen to 1981, Our Lady coming to Medjugorje. For more history, to understand why we have June 24th, 1981, we go back about a thousand years ago. Pope Gregory in 1073 said in his time, quote, I find everywhere bishops who have attained their office in an irregular way, whose lives and conversations are strangely at variance with their sacred calling, who go through their duties, not for the love of Christ, but for the motives of worldly gains. Pope Gregory was canonized as a saint. What does this have to do with everything? We got silence in the church today. We got corruption in the church. We got Lucy saying this a battle. We got Sheen saying about the priest and the bishops and what's going to happen. And you're alive and all these things and these prophecies that's documented. It's not after it happened. It's been said before it's happening. Up to this point, you're getting plenty of evidence documented by a lady in Medjugorje. September 2nd, 2011. Everything is passing. Yes, you've heard me say this many times, but I say that because I believe it. Everything you are doing now, Everything the way you live, everything you're planning, is passing. It's not going to continue. This is not a hiccup. This is not a Noah in the flood. We're coming into fire. Something completely different. There has to be a transition. What Mr. Sheen says, Lucy says, what Our Lady says, 
that this world, not part of it, is going to fall apart. Everything, everything you see, everything we live, not some of it, everything is falling apart in front of us. You already feel it. It haven't yet what's coming because we have to go through a transition to glorify God. And Our Lady adds to that 2011 message, only, not some things, only the glory of God is going to remain. You're in a time at this moment to change the direction of your life for your own good. I've had people tell me, when I deal with it, it happens. You can't and you won't deal with it because it's not of God. Noah bathed the whole world in cooperation with God for the glory of God of the earth. This is what's going to happen. God is not going to flood the world again, but it's going to be by fire. Fire. That's where we're headed. And you're going to a new life. I can tell you this. 110%. Where did I get that from? How can I be sure that there's going to be a new life? Well, Freddie Mejigori has been saying this for years. How can I be so confident? Because the lady said it. Quote, May 25th, 2020. Just three years ago. Pray with me for a new life for all of you. As Bishop Sheen said over and over about the darkness that's coming, Our Lady has said that many, many times herself. Get your book, Words of Heaven. Look up darkness. Look and see how many times Our Lady says. How did the corruption and the darkness came into a renaissance? You're going to be surprised how it happened. And what God did before was the liquidation of man. I've been telling you to go back to the soil. You must do that now. I'm going to reveal to you about this new life that is coming. A radical change will be explained through these next statements. The following is an excerpt taken from the book, Christ the King, Lord of History. Just over 100 years after Charlemagne's death in 1814, it was as if a protective wall had been demolished, so that the evils of the 10th century, chaos, fear, lawlessness, ignorance, could come rushing in to engulf Europe once more. Because of the breakdown in the Holy Roman Empire, no strong force existed to stop Viking raids. But on three separate occasions, God rose up heroes to resist the Vikings. The Foundation of a New Civilization Feudalism People needed to have other means of safeguarding their lives and what little property they had, not only from the Vikings, but from bandits and other criminals as well. The system that developed was feudalism. Imagine that you were living in France, Germany, or England during the 900s. 
money is worthless because nothing is being made for anyone to buy. Only land is valuable, because with land, a man can produce enough food to feed his family. You had once owned some land. You had planted fields and built a small house. Then the Viking raiders came. They burned your house and your fields to the ground. They drove off your animals and kidnapped your sons and daughters. What can you do? You know that not far away lives a man who had fought the Vikings. He is wealthy enough to own a horse and armor and to hire men to fight with him. He had driven the Vikings away, and they had not destroyed his house, which he had built on a hill for protection. You also know that he controls much land, but does not have time to work it himself because he must be ever on watch for the Vikings. You go to this man and make an agreement. You and your family promise to spend the rest of your life working on his land in return for keeping enough of what you produce to feed your family and, most importantly, in return for his protection. You exchange labor for protection. This exchange is called feudalism. The men who provided the protection were called knights or barons, and the land they owned was called a fief. The laborers were called the serfs. Feudalism has been criticized because the serfs had little freedom. They could not leave the land and had to turn over much of what they produced to the landlord. But this criticism overlooks the fact that without the feudal system, the serfs might not have been alive at all. The wealthy landlords, in turn, were often pledged to serve still more powerful noblemen. Those pledged to service were known as vassals. They would fight for the noblemen who would provide protection when the forces of the raiders became too powerful for one man to resist. These powerful noblemen, known as overlords, in turn served the king. The feudal system was like a pyramid, with each level swearing loyalty to the higher level, which provided protection for those lower down. The system was based on trust and honesty and therefore encouraged a higher standard of morality than had been present earlier in the Dark Ages. In order to emphasize the importance of keeping one's promises, the vassal would swear loyalty at a ceremony, solemnly swearing to the overlord, I become your man. I shall keep faith with you against all others. The Lord showed his acceptance of the oath by handing the vassal a special object, such as a ring a stalk of grain, or a piece of turf, which were symbols of the land they owned. The system worked well, helping Europe recover from the Viking raids. Gradually, enough surplus would be produced on the land so that trade and commerce could again be possible. Men had less need to spend all their time on warfare and could turn to learning and culture, thereby enabling civilization to be reborn. Our Lady said on May 25, 2020, Pray with me for a new life for all of you. In your hearts, little children, you know what needs to be changed. Return to God and His commandments, so that the Holy Spirit may change your lives and the face of this earth. Be carriers of light in the darkness of this peaceless time. Pray and seek the help and protection of the saints. 
I am with you, and I am protecting all of you. May 4, 2020 Carry the light of my Son. Eliminate the darkness which all the more wants to seize you and take you far away from my Son, Jesus. Do not be afraid. I am with you. March 2, 2020 It is a time of vigil. Convey the truth, because truth is old. It is not new. It is eternal. It is truth. It testifies to God's eternity. Bring the light of my Son and keep breaking the darkness, which all the more wants to seize you. Do not be afraid. Besides the problems of the papacy, there were other grave problems in the church. Church offices were bought and sold. Bishops took orders and bribes from noblemen. Monasteries were taken over by greedy men. It appeared that Christianity was dying and that it would soon go the way of all earthly institutions. But this was not the first time the church appeared to be dying. It had survived persecution. It had survived heresy. Now it would survive the Dark Ages. Even at the church's lowest point, a reform movement was beginning. Popes can be and have been great sinners. But during the entire dark night of the papacy, there is not even a hint that one single pope taught heresy. The Dark Ages were brought to an end by the reform of the church, the revival of the Holy Roman Empire, and the peace and economic revival resulting from the feudal system. By the year 1400, almost every European was a baptized Catholic. Pope Gregory VII, while trying to reform the church, said, I find everywhere bishops who have obtained their offices in an irregular way, whose lives and conversations are strangely at variance with their sacred calling, who go through their duties not for the love of Christ, but from motives of worldly gains. During his reign as pope, there were many priests in Germany who were married. The Archbishop of Rouen, while trying to enforce the law of celibacy, was stoned and had to flee for his life. In the first ten centuries of the Church, there were popes and bishops leading their men, their villages, their church in battle, preserving Christianity from Vikings, Muslims, and attacks inside the Church. The first popes and bishops of the Church were true shepherds. They were protectors. They were leaders. They were brave. They were heroic. We're in a time of liquidation of man, which brings a new civilization, feudalism. If you're rich, you have a lot of money, and you think the thing you're supposed to be making more money, the stock market, this or that, why are you trying to make more money for money? I'm telling you now, if you're wealthy, you go buy 100 acres, several hundred acres, and build houses on them. I've said this before. And let people live there free because you have to have labor. And feudalism brought the glory of a new way of life. And the church came strong. Your best investment you can have is not where you have your money. 
It is the land and what you can do, your equipment. You have been listening to Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are to help expand your thinking. We encourage you to prayerfully look at the world around you and do not rely on the mainstream voices to tell you the truth. Do your own research. In perhaps no other area is it more important to research than to know how to preserve everything that you have worked your life for. A friend of Medjugorje designed the miraculous Metal Medjugorje Silver Round to help preserve your means. You take your wealth, your savings, your 401ks, and exchange them for real, physical silver that you can hold in your hand. It is simple. It is common sense. Since the round was first made available in 2010, over 4 million rounds have been exchanged by ordinary people like yourself. The miraculous metal Medjugorje silver round is still the number one specialty round in the world. The most common word heard after people get their Medjugorje silver rounds is peace. Contact Century Silver Exchange toll-free at 877-936-7686. Again, 877-936-7686. Or contact info at centurysilver.com. Now, here is a friend of Medjugorje to continue this broadcast. We have performed community conventions. We witness this, we show you. And for you who are those who don't have the money, organize and go to somebody wealthy to do this. It's for his good, because it's going to happen. And I've said over and over, what you could do now is in the green wood. You would not be able to do in the dry wood. You have enough here to take this to people that's got the money or other people join together, put your wealth together. Because wealth is food. And that comes from land. And we have history it shows what brings you to a holy way to live, a new wave. I say to you, listen to this repeatedly. Order cities for this. And you study, listen over and over and pray. You got a lot of answers and a lot of decisions to make. We wish you, Our Lady, we love you. Good night. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. 
It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.